You're listening to the ACB Advocacy Update. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ACB Advocacy Update. This is Clara, the Advocacy and Outreach Specialist here at ACB. And Clark Rockfall, Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs. Thank you to everyone for joining us on your favorite podcast player and those listening over ACB Radio. If you would like to learn more about ACB, please look up the American Council of the Blind at acb.org. Perfect. Um, so we are um, lucky to have another guest speaker today on our podcast. Um, we are going to be talking about accessible exercise equipment, something I know I'm personally really interested in. Um, those of us who try to go to gyms or have your own workout equipment at home or whatever it might be, know that unfortunately many of the devices, if not all of the devices, are not accessible for those of us who are blind. Um, those being ones with touch screens and um, just anything that has some kind of visual uh, writing, whether it not be too big, the font's not big enough for people with low vision, or if there's no audio output for those who can't read print at all. Um, but we're excited to have Richard here to talk to us because he is helping to lead um, a, a coalition of advocates to help change that. So Richard, I'm just going to go ahead and let you introduce yourself and what you're a part of. Well, thank you very much for having me on this podcast. Um, my background is uh, I'm retired as a lawyer, uh, been retired now for 20 years. And during that time, I've been an advocate for people with a disability. Uh, it began soon after retirement. I was appointed by President Clinton to the Access Board for a four-year term. Um, and I'm a paraplegic, so my initial focus was on advocating for persons with a mobility impairment. And um, so that's my background. If you, if you want to know how I got into fitness centers, I can I can do that next. Yeah, please do. I know you lead something called Mobility Fitness, right? Can you tell us what Mobility Fitness is? Yes, uh, Mobility Fitness is a nonprofit organization. Our website is mobilityfitness.org. And the mission of Mobility Fitness is to, for every place where there's exercise equipment, there there'll also be exercise equipment that's, ex, that's accessible to persons with disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, I got involved with this because I went to a fitness center and I found that there were no cardio machines that I could use. They all required you to stand or sit on a bicycle, which I couldn't operate any of them. Mm -hmm. And there were a few, uh, just a few strength machines I could use. So I then visited about 50 fitness centers in the state of California and oh, found wow. the same thing. And then I, I also became aware at that time, I wasn't that sensitive to the issue of blind people, but I became aware of it, that the fact that none of the machines had audible outputs, uh, output. So um, mobility fitness is not just designed for people with mobility impairment, but for all disabilities. So Richard, in my experience, whenever I go to a gym, in a lot of cases, they have a, um, you know, automatic doors to entry. If there are multiple levels, they have an elevator so that people don't have to use the stairs. The showers in the locker rooms have 
um, zero entries and may or may not have folding down benches. Um, so what is it that the accessibility criteria of having um, accommodations at fitness centers does not extend to the actual equipment at the fitness center? Like we have, yeah, you, we have the ADA. You, Why are we fighting this fight? <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right. I mean, it's even more ridiculous because um, the DOJ regulations say that for somebody in a wheelchair, there has to be a clear path to all of the exercise equipment, and that for one of each type of exercise equipment, say like a treadmill. There has to be clear space next to it, so a person in the, would have a, a space to put a wheelchair and then theoretically transfer, but they're transferring to a machine supposedly they can't use. So um, the, the, the Department of Justice did not go that far. So that, that's the missing piece that we need. Mm. And um, I know that you've, you've done some work in this area. Um, help explain to us or explain to our listeners and talk with us about um, what kind of equipment and what types of accommodations uh, we're looking for in this space. Okay. So what I did uh, when I found out that the problem, primary initial problem was the lack of accessible equipment. I could, I couldn't go to the fitness centers and tell them to get equipment that didn't exist. Mm -hmm. So about eight years ago, I became aware that there was an international committee that was working on this. It's called, uh, it's an international standards committee called ASTM. And they do safety design standards for thousands of products, including exercise equipment. Mm -hmm. And there was a special, special subcommittee for doing design specifications for inclusive equipment. And it, it members were four or five representatives from the major exercise equipment manufacturers and a couple of people from the disability community. And what it's having universal design for inclusive equipment basically means you're taking a standard piece of equipment and adding features to it to make it functional for people with various limitations. So let's take a treadmill. So, and, and by the way, those standards, ASTM standards, after eight years are finally published as of last summer. So if you take like a treadmill, some of the features that have been added for the accessible treadmill would be a, a lower start speed, longer handrails, and Color, color contrast, and then for the blind community, uh, instead of a flat screen, there'll be a control panel with raised buttons and symbols, um, and the same panel and the same buttons will be on all cardio machines for all manufacturers. So once you learn how one works, the, <clears throat> the control panel is the same for the others. And then there's a headphone jack, which will give instructions as to where the control panel is and where the buttons are and what each button does. And then during the course of exercise, there'll be feedback every five minutes or whenever you push a button, that will give you 
the feedback of what everybody else is seeing on the flat screen, mm -hmm. like the time lapsed or speed or distance traveled. So <coughs> those pieces of equipment uh, have not been built yet. So that's the next challenge is to have a manufacturer build the equipment and we're working on that. I think there's a, I'm hopeful the equipment will be produced within the next year or so. Okay, so that was my next question, Richard. So I was gonna say if money was no object and I could go out and buy whatever I wanted, could I buy one of those treadmills with the accessibility functions? But you're saying at this time, they haven't been produced. That's correct. Um, I have high hopes and we're in discussions with manufacturers um, and I, I just don't have anything definite yet, but I'm expecting to have some answers within the next six months and then it would probably take a year for them to produce the equipment. Gotcha. I find that, I mean, I guess in one, one way I'm not surprised because accessibility is always lacking behind, unfortunately. But at the same time, I find that so surprising because we're in a place with technology that I'm sure any computer engineer would say, oh, that's so easy to do. You know, it can't be difficult at all to, to make the few, you know, tinkers, few tinkering around things you need to do to make it accessible. It can't be that difficult, so. No, the, it definitely is not that difficult. It's just convincing the manufacturers that there's a market out there, that there's yeah. a need for it, and to justify the expense of producing the equipment. Yeah. And Richard, thank you for going through uh, the ways that cardio equipment could be made accessible for people who are blind or visually impaired. The audio output, um, the high contrast, the tactile buttons, I know those, all, those are all features, and especially the uniformity of design that we wish that we're out in the in the wild now. Uh, every year, the the ACB convention moves around the country. Uh, this year, will be in Rochester, New York, and I know there will be a lot of people using the fitness centers at the hotels, uh, and and wishing that those pieces of equipment were already in place. Mm -hmm. uh, will you please talk about a little bit about the the adaptations? Uh, that you would use or a wheelchair user would use in the terms of cardio or, or weightlifting equipment, weight training equipment? Yes, um, uh, for cardio, the main thing is having recumbent or seated equipment. So mm -hmm. um, those pieces of equipment actually exist right now, uh, but they're typically in a rehab center or physical therapist's office. Mm -hmm. So it's a situation where you can sit and you move handles that move pedals or vice versa. Mm -hmm. So if you can use one of your limbs, you could theoretically use that machine for cardio. If you have two or three or four, then that's good too. Um, so it's for the cardio, it's having a, a machine where you're seated. For the strength machines, um, often there's machines where you have to stand in order to adjust the bar. Uh, or straps. So for strength machines, all of the mechanisms that you need to adjust the machine will be reached from a seated level. And a lot of strength machines have fixed seats and, and some people that are mobility impaired can transfer, but others can't. So the, there will be no fixed seat on the accessible strength machines. There'll be 
um, uh, the seats will be able to push be pushed out of the way, either removed or just pushed out of the way. So those are the 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 main features that would benefit those with a mobility impairment. Okay, great. And you said that the ASTM standards were finalized uh, last summer in 2018. Uh, what's been happening with this issue since then? Um, well, if, if you, uh, the, the bill that we're trying to get passed in the, in the, in the Senate and mm -hmm. later in the House, um, would you like me to discuss that now? Absolutely, because you already you already have some uh, some congressional champions on the Senate side on this issue, right? Yes, yes, we have uh, the bill was introduced by Senator Duckworth, along with uh, Senator Casey and Senator Blumenthal, mm -hmm. and uh, we hope within the next two weeks we'll have sponsors in the House as well. It's called the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, and basically what it would do it would um, require the Department of Justice to issue regulations specifying the items and types of accessible exercise equipment that fitness providers would have to have. And I anticipate that if it were passed, um, the regulations would probably say that one of each type of piece of equipment would have to be accessible. So in a typical fitness center, there might be 20 or 30 treadmills and, and you know, a bunch of ellipticals and mm -hmm. a bunch of bikes. So for each one, uh, I'm, I expect that the regulations would provide one of each would have to meet the ASTM standards. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's how we described in the bill accessible exercise equipment. It has to, accessible exercise equipment is defined as meeting the ASTM standards that I just uh, discussed. And the regulations would apply to any place covered by the ADA, which would not be limited just to commercial fitness centers. It would also cover uh, universities, it would cover hotels, senior centers, and things mm -hmm. like that. Would it go as far as to uh, cover uh, things that fall under the Rehab Act as well? So if I was a federal employee, if I wanted to go to the federal gym, uh, does the Rehab Act apply as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. Great. Well, that, that's fabulous, Richard. I know we've heard from the ACB membership um, more so in the last few months that this is a, a high priority for them. Uh, how, how do you recommend that people get involved on this issue? You know, for those listening to the podcast, what can they do? Well, the next step is to try to get senators and Congress people to sign on to this bill. Mm -hmm. um, we would like to schedule meetings in the local offices of senators and congresspeople, uh, in addition to organizations like ACB and, and others will be meeting with staff on the Hill. Um, but I think meetings in local offices would be very, very helpful. So if you have members that would be willing to meet with a senator or representative in their local area, um, we'd like to help coordinate that. 
of course, anybody can send an email to every uh, politician has a website that has a place where you can put in your comments. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, um, we just need to organize grassroots as much as we can. And uh, I guess they could, people could also notify me by email or, or, or you guys. And that's right. If you guys, uh, our listeners, if our listeners ever want to reach out to their local representatives but have any trouble finding the email address or the phone number or anything like that, Clark and I are here to help. So please don't hesitate. We, you know, if it's something you want to do but you're having trouble, just reach out and we can make sure you get the connections you need. And everyone can always reach us at advocacy at acb.org. Um, Richard, if folks want to get in touch with you directly, is going to the mobilityfitness.org website the best way? Yes, or just Richard at mobilityfitness.org. Uh, well, great. Um, anything else that we should know about this, this topic or the pending legislation, Richard? No, only that uh, this this process uh, takes a little while, like everything. Mm -hmm. um, a bill that's introduced in the Congress is only lasts for that session. So this session began in January. It runs two years. So uh, we're hoping during the summer recess that uh, we'll be able to schedule meetings with senators and representatives. Um, it would be if if you have members that are interested. It would be nice if we could coordinate that. We, we'd like to get um, different disabilities, uh, people with different disabilities together to go into a joint meeting. So we could have a mobility impaired along with the blind person, mm -hmm. uh, along with somebody with intellectual challenges. So um, if there's a way that people can let you know if they're interested, um, we could coordinate that with other organizations as well. Gotcha. Great. Well, you guys heard it directly from Richard. Reach out to us, let us know, and we can help coordinate. Yeah, careful what you wish for, Richard. That's true. We, we might get a flood of <laughs> <laughs> We've heard from Virginia, Florida, Chicago, uh, <laughs> West Coast. People are fired up about this issue. Yeah, people are excited, so, but that's great. And um, yeah, I just, I, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it's going to make a big difference because Really, the, the blind people have been totally shut out of, of this area, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whereas the mobility impaired, you can find some machines someplace, but a blind person can't find any, any place. So I, I'm, I'm excited about the impact it's going to have for your community. Well, thank you. I know this is such an important topic because, and this is no surprise to you, Richard, I know you probably know all the statistics, but as we know, you know, um, things like obesity are so high in the United States and um, we only see that going up in the disability community because the lack of, you know, a lot, there's all kinds of variables, of course, but one variable undoubtedly <clears throat> is just the inability for people to access things like workout equipment or those kinds of things. So it's a really important thing for us to address in the disability community. So we're really appreciative for all the work that you guys are doing at Mobility Fitness. Yeah, and we've all been there at fitness centers, uh, hotel gyms, workplace gyms, fumbling around with the cardio equipment, 
uh, basically just mashing the keypad. Just push the buttons yeah. until something happens. P pushing as many buttons at yeah. once as possible, <laughs> you know, especially if there aren't any quick start keys. Yeah. Uh, just trying to get it moving. We don't care what the setting is as long as it's moving. Start moving, yeah. <laughs> so, and Richard, I saw on the Mobility Fitness website that the rate of obesity among people who are blind or visually impaired is 73%. Oh, wow. And uh, it's, it's 73% more than the, the non-disabled population. Oh, wow. Okay. I, that's still a lot. And then we know here at ACB that the leading cause of blindness for working age adults is diabetes and diabetes can often be caused by or obesity yeah yeah so this is definitely an issue that hits close to home for a lot of people yeah and the same kind of statistics are for other disabilities as well sure because there's yeah. the the lack of physical activity um you know the whole thing that's so ironic is that the the people that are using those treadmills they can walk or run. They don't need a machine, but mm -hmm. I need a machine. You guys need a machine, and we're the ones that don't have one. So it's that's the irony of the whole thing. That's a really good point. Yeah, that is ironic. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us, Richard. We really appreciate it, and we're excited to hear the work that Mobility Fitness is doing. Well, thank you, and uh, look forward to working with you. Great. And just to recap, if you'd like to learn more about Richard and the efforts of Mobility Fitness, you can visit mobilityfitness.org and you can email Richard directly at richard at mobilityfitness.org. And if you'd like to be involved with congressional outreach on this issue, you can reach Claire and me at advocacy at acb.org. Please get involved. As we always say, keep advocating. That's what we want you guys to do.